Welcome to the Family Biz Show, where we dive deep into the fascinating world of family-owned businesses. I'm your host, Michael Columbus, and in each episode, we'll bring you inspiring stories, practical insights, and expert advice from successful family business owners and industry thought leaders. Hidden in this grandparent-grandchild philanthropy and in the process is actually young children learning to ask for something in a very safe environment. This is step-by-step, paint-by-numbers, Get your strategy mapped out system. Join us on this journey as we uncover the unique challenges and opportunities of running a family business. The best part about it is that the guys in the field didn't treat me as the owner's son. I was just another guy. But I think what's super unique about our story, we lost the business and we got it back. Don't miss an episode. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Let's dive right into the next episode of The Family Biz Show. Well, welcome everybody to the Family Biz Show. I am your host, Michael Columbus with Family Wealth and Legacy in Rochester, New York. Welcome. Um, Today, we have a really cool show for you talking about a topic that we've touched on throughout, you know, several episodes, but nothing that we spent the whole time talking about. So, Jamie Weiner, thank you for joining us. My pleasure. Good to be here. And the book that you have just written, and it's out on Amazon right now, is called The Quest for Legitimacy. Absolutely. Yeah. Quest for Legitimacy, how children of prominent families find their unique place in the world. It's a mouthful. I love it. I'm on the website right now, and growing up in the shadow of a giant brings unique challenges. I will throw to you that, you know, it it definitely happens when, 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 you know, you you have great wealth, and you and you've amassed great wealth being the child of a mother or father who's super successful. M- my father, you know, I'm I've lived this my whole entire life. Um, so I'm really excited to talk about this because, um, you know, my father was one of the top, you know, 100, you know. People, you know, in the in the company that we're that we're with, and when I joined, you know, that was the company that I decided to join, just based on um, the training that they had, and you know what I had learned from my father. But like, I was never Michael Columbus; I was Marty's son. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and so, you know, it, it's very funny. Um, and to this day, Dad's retired now. Um, you know, it's we we have the same thing. Hey, Michael, how you doing? Say hello to your father. Hey, Michael, <laughs> dad. Um, it's, it's never how are you first. It's, it's you know, talked about your dad. So, um, Jamie, what we have a, a tradition on the show. We ask people to to share with us your journey. Um, we, you know, there are several universities today that have, you know, family business and family wealth um you know studies within the you know within their campuses many years ago 10 20 30 40 years ago that didn't exist so for you know guys like you and I people like you and I who you know ended up working with either family businesses or families of wealth there had to be a twisting turning road to get there in my opinion not always but we'd love to hear your background, how did you, you know, where did you start? How did you end up doing the work that you're doing today? So Mike, it's a great question because you and I are both so used to um, being in the space and thinking about these kinds of things. And 
Um, it's important for us to realize that it's a relatively new thing. I was born a rabbi's kid, so it's a little bit different, but it came from a prominent family. Um, I start the book actually with a cute story um, about being in the sanctuary and somebody, a little kid, um, popping up his head and saying, Mom, is that God? And crawling under the uh, seat behind me and going, well, no, that's my dad. And uh, and so I, I can understand what it must have been like being Marty's son. Um, about 15 years ago, my wife, who was, came from a business-owning family, her parents died 35 days apart from each other. And um, there had been a generation before that had a family business. Um, when that business ended, everybody stopped talking to each other and nobody went to the funerals. Mm. And we had to make sure we weren't going to have that happen in our family. So that was really the beginning of the work. And as I began to work with Rising Gen, I always noticed that there was kind of, kind of, you know, when you're a psychologist by background, you sort of pick up on things even before people start talking. And I always noticed that there was some impact of growing up in a prominent family. And I figured, might as well ask. So I started, I met Russ Hayworth um, and um, from the UK, who's also got a podcast. Everybody's got a podcast. And uh, um, Russ and I started interviewing rising gen and family members in asking the simple question, which was, what's it like growing up in the land of giants? And guess what? Nobody asked what we asked us what we meant by giants. They immediately said, yeah, you know, Marty's my giant, um, you know, and, and the range was huge because it was the oldest was about a 450 year old company. Okay. And there still were giants along the road. So, so that's kind of how I got into this whole pursuit. Gotcha. And so your your background, you know, you you come from a, a psychology background, psychiatry background. Is that did I get catch that? Yeah, I'm a psychologist by background. Okay. Um and in the last, I think it's almost 20 years I've been doing family business consulting. Got it. Okay. I love it. Thank you. Um, so how many, we talk about doing interviews, approximately how many people did you interview? Do you mind me asking? Well, let's not do approximately. It was 25 people. Okay. From around the globe. So Indonesia, Chicago, Costa Rica. And um, I don't know if I did anybody from Rochester, New York, though. Anyways, uh, um, and, um, and the range. So the oldest person uh, that I interviewed at the time was 75 years old. And he was looking back on the experience. Um, he was part of the Kaiser family, which at one point was one of the largest and wealthiest families in the country. Okay. When you in, in talking to these people, what did you find, you know, what were some of the unique challenges that 
that you were hearing? What were the themes that you were hearing? So there's a difference between feeling successful and feeling legitimate. And we interviewed people even who were successful at a point in their life, but still didn't feel in relationship to the giants that they were born next to, that they have established a sense of their own legitimacy. So the, 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 the biggest one was the whole thing about whether you felt you were enough, whether you measured up. Um, I, I think that's a somewhat universal feeling, mm. but I think when you have the experience of growing up with somebody who's built something or been part of something that's very large, and it could be the, the general store in, in, the, in the town, yeah. So I'm not making it that you got to be a multi-billionaire to be a, a giant. And um, and I think that was the primary um, thing that we found. Um, I, you know, the other things that I'd love to talk about is I'd love to talk about, um, one, how everybody we, we interviewed had breaking moments. Okay. And then from there, we probably should touch on the fact that we we discovered a path and that by discovering that path, we really think we can make a, a difference in the lives in a way that I, in modesty, I don't think any else has, anybody else has been done before that would be able to change people's lives. I love it. Well, what... Let's dive in. Talk. Tell me. Tell me a bit more about that. <laughs> Breaking moments is a very interesting idea. Um, when I look back at my own life, I can identify a chain of of breaking moments. Okay. And it's a very important concept that um, th that's worth thinking about because. Um, parents when somebody has a breaking moment sometimes in this current world jump in and want to do this repair scene but um and i i wouldn't encourage i am not looking for people to have breaking moments but for example rishi one of the people we interviewed in the book um and it's a longer story got fired by email from his father jeez stopped talking to his dad for two years and during that period of his life re-figured who he is and what he wanted to do so it was a couple of years he was crushed at first and two years later he came he hit a point where he had a position as a professor at a university his dad was indian his mom was not he hadn't spoken to his dad for two years and he took the risk and decided that before he would start, he would go home and knock on his dad's door. And was greeted by his dad and his dad said, I'm so glad you did this. I wouldn't have done it. And there was a cultural thing going on in the background of that. Sure. But from that point on, it changed Rishi's life and it changed his relationship with his father. So they're less dramatic 
examples in the book, but that's a pretty dramatic example. And I call that period that um, he was struggling being in a period of liminality, of feeling betwixt and between. So I'm a psychologist. I'm not calling it depression. I'm making a distinction and trying to, you know, emphasize. And there were a couple of cases where I think it was depression, but I'm trying to emphasize that people have hard times in their life. And it's not exactly what we would think about in terms of clinical depression. It's struggling and that it, it can be the beginning of the quest to figure out what you really want to do with your life. Right. You know, when you think about it, Maslow did a pretty good job of putting together a formula, right? You know, years and years ago of, am I safe? Am I, you know, am, am, am I, can I take, can I take risks? Um, you know, do I have my autonomy and do I make a difference or, you know, how did, how did my life matter? You know, what's my purpose and am I going to matter? And one of the things that I've been playing with and trying to, you know, help families to understand is that we put all these systems together for the wealth. We, you know, how to create wealth, how to, you know, how to manage wealth, how to pass wealth. And, you know, but there's, there's not a ton of systems for families to be putting into place. It's, we know in our industry that there's a lot of people like you and I that are, it's this burgeoning, you know, uh, quest out there, like your quest for legitimacy to help people to understand, uh, you know, it's, there should be a system in place that the parents understand that really their job is not to be the giant. Their job is to help their children stand on their own pedestal and, and find out what they're passionate about and how they're going to make a difference in the world. Because if we're all cut exactly like our fathers or our mothers, it's going to be a really boring world. One <laughs> I, I absolutely love that, that you, you know about Maslow and more, more and more people, that may mean something, um, may not mean something to your whole audience, but it was really the idea that development happens over the course of a lifetime. And I think rising happens over the course of a lifetime. That's a great way to, to talk about it because it's not something like, hey, okay, you're a teenager now, you're 13, you know, you go and get your bar and bar mitzvah, you go get your confirmation, whatever, you know, you become the, you become you, you're a teenager for the first time. Now you're self-actualized, not a chance <laughs> work that way. <laughs> Wouldn't it be nice? <laughs> it, would be, it would be super nice. But, uh, you know, there had to be for the people that you interviewed, you know, there had to be some awareness uh, to what was, what they were feeling and what was going on. What did that, what was like that like for them? So yes and no, you know, when you have a breaking moment in your life, could be a divorce could be whatever. It, you're not thinking about, oh my God, this is an opportunity. You're thinking about, oh my God, I just got kicked in the teeth. And it, it, you know, it, it, you're going, a lot of people, it's self-pity at that point. Okay. So and, um, and 
it's only through that process of of sorting sorting stuff out do you begin to maybe be able to look back and go god i wish that didn't happen but and i think it's that but that's very important um and that's part of the message that I'm also kind of giving about parenting, because somebody sent me this wonderful little two-minute video about a butterfly and a young man walking and discovering a cocoon and deciding to sit down and watch the butterfly emerge, which doesn't happen real quickly. And the butterfly's halfway out and seems to be stuck. So the young man cuts off the cocoon and holds the butterfly and waits for it to fly. Well, that last period is when the butterfly releases what needs to be released in order for the wings to work. And uh, it just, it touched me because it was in two minutes, it sort of captured the whole thing and the whole transition to becoming, um, to rising and take, being able to have some um, to, to fly so walk me through so that i'm trying to make the connection between the breaking moments and the quest for legitimacy so take a step back for me for a second just and i apologize but i'm like so i, I i'm you know i'm somebody that you've interviewed i'm i'm feeling that i'm looking for this quest for legitimacy what I guess, where am I? What's happening? What's through the interviews that you did? What's the, the the theme before the breaking moment and after the breaking moment? So I guess, am I missing that? I'm, so let's do before. Yep. I'm, I'm going to do it very quickly. You know, yeah, that's, we're fine. Right? Before you, all of us, you know, you kind of have these moments. And Henry Kaiser was a good example. Henry Kaiser and you know got sent to a private school. And early on, there was this message that he better prepare because someday in his life something important was going to happen. And got sent off to, to boarding school. I don't think he really wanted to go to boarding school. Um and that was kind of the beginning. And the the beauty of what happened was along the way, I picked up a research team from the University of Adelaide. Um, I met the researcher in an elevator and we got off the elevator. He said, God, that's great. We should do some journal articles together. And so it was one of those magic moments for me where all of a sudden I had a practitioner research team. And what we discovered is whether it was Indonesia, Chicago, or Costa Rica, that there was a pattern. It wasn't linear, so it wasn't like you did step one and then you did step two, but it started with awareness. And um, I don't know for you if you remember the early moments of awareness of growing up in a prominent family, but even the story of being the sanctuary and having that little boy say, is this God, his mother? Sort of that one of those moments where I went, hmm, there's something a little bit different about who my dad is in the world I was born into. 
it, it moves from awareness into um, what I call the tug of war. Because you grow up in a culture and your family and you're aware of it. And a lot of the families you and I work, work with have family governance. They have all kinds of things going on. Um, they may not be aware that somebody's already, you know, doing estate plans for them and figuring out what's going to happen to them later in their lives. <laughs> right. Um, but as you go out into the world, you begin to discover other things than what you were brought up in. And at first you come home and parents go, God, that's so great. Where did, you, where did she learn, learn this? A little bit later, you come home and they go, Oh my God, where, where did he and she learn this? And it's a tug of war between two being in two worlds. It moves on. And with COVID, I hope it's still the same. But um, the next period is a period of exploration. Um, one of the people I interviewed, um, his father's business um, failed during her adolescence and she managed to convince her parents to find a way to have her um who was a mexican background to go um explore other cultures travel learn gain insights and she never lost that connection to the the culture she was brought up in but she also became rich by what she experienced and used that period to sort out the different, the world she brought up and then what she was learning to form who she was. Because the last period is taking ownership of your life. Mm -hmm. And the word that is a more of a psychological word, but having agency, feeling like you have some control over the decisions you're making. Okay. And so, so that really makes an awful lot of sense of, you know, I, and just I can only look at it from my experience. My awareness was, you know, the first time I got interviewed at the company that my father works for. There, you know, they the the manager said to me, Michael, you know, just based on the your your name, I'll bring you in tomorrow. And I was one of those non traditional students, so I had you know not finished my my college education. I had you know gotten an associates, but you know kept you know pushing it off. And he said you know, when somebody asks you, where did you graduate from? You know, what are you going to say? Your father graduated from X, Y, and Z. Um, and so what are you going to say? And I'm like, okay. And that was enough to get me to go back to school. But it was that, that comparison that happened. And then the first time you're walking through the office or <laughs> walking through a company event that's outside of the office, even bigger and there you know you, you've got the name tag on and hey you're marty's son you're and so then there's this awareness of that you didn't have at home how what an impact dad had made in the world outside of the house you know and it, is, if that makes sense and then there was that you know i don't want i think the tug of war was a little different for me than than what you were talking about but i think the tug of war was this is the way dad did things. I don't know if that's the way I want to do things. If that makes sense. And I, you know, so for me, the exploration was like finding the Purposeful Planning Institute and, and having a conversation with Jay Hughes and, 
and just starting to look at this thing and say, there's more to wealth than just money. There's wealth in the knowledge and the values and whatnot of the family. And I wouldn't have discovered all of that stuff and gotten to the point where I have my own podcast and I'm like, I am. (laughs) And I just like doing this work, you know, but as you were going through those pieces, I can, you know, in in the different steps, I can definitely feel how that was my life. You know, I'm so surprised. I just assumed you did everything the way Marty did it. Uh. <laughs> right. And, you know, we have, we have, a, we have an even closer um, connection that you don't know this, but my father, um, his mother had four boys and she put all four boys into the seminary. Only one came out a priest, but she knew that if she put four in, there was a pretty good <laughs> <She had odds. laughs> I love it. And, and, you know, it's not uncommon for people who grow up in prominent families to, to struggle with school. So it's a, it's a great example. I did, right? I didn't, I, I didn't go, oh, great. <laughs> I'm going straight for what I want to do. It took a long time to kind of sort it all out. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, in hindsight, I can look back and say, you know, Dad was successful. He was a you know the first generation wealth creator. Um, again, not you know, I mean, super proud of Dad. He's done incredible. But we're not talking you know uh, Walmart, you know Walton wealth, but definitely you know top three percent of America kind of a thing. You know, done really really well for himself. And you know, I, as the oldest, I watched it to go from point A to point B, um, I was in the very first house that was, you know, very blue collar, very, <laughs> and, and in the second house where it was very, you know, middle, middle America, um, and then watch them, the, the year I went to college for the first time, um, they, you know, moved into this neighborhood and into this house that I was like, man, my sisters have got it great, <laughs> and my my brother, you know, they're they're living they're living large now. That's fun. Um, so that the breaking moment now is I've you know this make to me this is making more sense. I've gone through this journey. I've done these things. Where does the breaking moment? talking about you know that you know like you you mentioned the one story can you give some other examples of other people that have had you know they've gone through being in the shadow of the giant through the breaking moment what were some of the other breaking moments that people had had so the the one i'm going to share is um may feel kind of different but somebody who grew up in um, uh, costa rica um, grew up in a family that um, played tons of tennis. And fairly early on in his life, he, um, he had an injury. So it was a literal breaking moment. And the injury from that point on meant that he was not going to play tennis at the level that his family played tennis. And he started to form other friendships, different than the family's friendships. Um, This was such a fun interview to do. He had a guitar hanging on the wall. Um, 
you could tell that there was something different about him. Right. And he really decided that what he wanted to do primarily with his life is play tennis and make uh, surf and make music. And he did really well at making music. And at some point realized he needed to make a little bit of money. So um, dad had a chain of um, probably it's, they weren't 7-Elevens, but that kind of store. And he created a business making sandwiches, okay. which he could do, could do in a much shorter period of time. He actually at one point had 100 people working for him making sandwiches. And all of that was really designed to support his ability to, to surf and make music. So it was a literal breaking moment, but it clearly changed his life. And for a while, it was really a struggle with dad and brothers who, who had this idea of where he should be going or what, what he should be doing. And you know, a lot of people assume you're gonna end up in the family business, you did. But not everybody ends up in the family business. Right. And not everybody should end up in the family business. Yeah, you know, it's funny that you say that because I, I haven't had these specific conversations with my siblings, but I do feel there are times when, you know, they they may feel, and I, I should I should reach out to them and have these conversations that they may feel, boy, weren't you lucky? working with dad all those time, all those years. And, um, you know, just some, you know, the fact that they didn't take that path or go down that road, uh, just a different um, experience for them. Still, every one of my siblings, I still think that they feel the shadow of the giant um, because dad, you know, was successful and did have you know, some wonderful experience. I have, I have a sister, um, my young, my youngest sister, she's won two or three Emmys. And, mm. and then she just won just this year, won the South African equivalent to an Emmy. Um, she's a producer for Sesame Street. And so she's oh. TV land before she, and then now she's a producer for, she produces Takalani Sesame, which is Sesame Street in South Africa. And and she just downplays her success. It's one thing with your, your friends and family, you know, friends, but with your family, you should be, you know, like the people that you trust and your, your closest people. And sometimes she still downplays it. And I'm, I, I'm curious if there's any of the, I'm just not sure the difference I'm making in the world, if this is exactly where I want to be. And if there's any comparison to, you know, the amount, I mean, dad was, you know, did a great job and success in his business, but then also in the community, he was on every board and everybody in the, you know, he made a difference in a lot of charities and a lot of people just knew who he was. You can't really walk through the town without knowing who he is, you know? And so I wonder if that's, that'd be an interesting conversation, I think, for, for us to have as, as siblings. That's pretty neat. So if you ever need me to, you know, lead that conversation with your family, you know, one of the things that we really discovered is that um, the rising gen grows up with a sense of isolation. They don't quite understand. And so we're actually um, starting to do one year experiences called the rise, mm -hmm. where we're going to gather um, groups of rising gen 
And, um, and I use that as a broad range in terms of ages, but people with that sense of um, being part of something that there's a giant and they're sorting out who they are with. And we're doing the first one in Oxford because those kinds of conversations that you're talking about happening don't happen. And, um, and what your sister's doing sounds real cool. <laughs> yeah. you, you know, I'm, I'll brag on her for two seconds. She just got married and the cast and crew in South Africa put together like a five, six minute video with all of them dancing and, you know, wishing her, you know, good luck on her marriage and, you know, with, 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 you know, the Muppets in the, in the <laughs> and, you know, one of the artists then drew a picture of her and her new husband. Um, you know, really cute, you know, they're both in their forties and neither of them had been married. Neither of them had kids and um, they found each other during COVID and uh, just super sweet, you know, that, that, that they found all that stuff. Um, I, I want to get back to so, enough bragging on my sister. There, there's <laughs> um, love you, Andrea. Uh, when, so now we go through this journey, you know, the, the kind of that questing of, of these things. We have the breaking moment. And then you alluded earlier to some stuff we and remind I don't remember exactly the words you used, but some steps or some a path forward from there. Did I catch that right? Did yeah, I... so the, the steps are awareness, tug of war, exploration. Exploration is one probably the most important to spend some time on. And that moment, and I'm not sure everybody gets there where you really feel like you've taken agency of your own life. And um, uh, and done in all kinds of ways. Okay, clearly, for me, writing a book was like, okay, you know, I wish my dad were here because I think he would be. You know, I think we could have different conversations than we had oh, before he you, passed away. What you so. just said just resonated with me so incredibly much. I wish my dad was here to see this. Because I, I can't tell you the amount of people that those words, I've heard them before, my mom or my dad. And I, I've got one in particular that I'm thinking of as a family member that I happen to do, you know, I, I manage their investments. It's an older relative. And I remember looking at him and saying, you know, my, our, my grandfather was a saver. As one of my uncles and I, you know, my uncle had been saving and doing a really good job in saving. And, you know, and I just looked at him and I said, man, Pop Pop would be so proud. <laughs> and it was almost like, you know, you could just you'd like his heart just soared hearing those words. And to your, you know, I think your breaking moment, you know, when you talked about the, the first story of the son going back to the father, don't wait. If you have those moments, don't wait. Yeah, well, thanks for sharing a little bit about your family, because then this stuff comes alive. And um, I have stored away 
Um, every sermon my father wrote, um, I have um, a photo album that traces his history from Dresden to Palestine through India. I have all of these memorabilia. For a long time, I couldn't look at them because they were so overwhelming in terms of how big the journey was for him. And um, now one, I've done something that feels like if he were here, we'd have a conversation about it. And two, now I'm really excited to go back and at least organize and have some idea what all that stuff was about. And you're doing it in a real tangible way. I mean, I, I see the backdrop, you know? <laughs> so, um, so it's, it's very powerful because at some point our parents continue to live inside of us. And, um, and making peace with that experience is pretty powerful. Yeah. And there's probably a lot of, how do I say this, um, generational pull on that giant shadow. Let me explain what I mean. You know, it's, it's pro you know, it, it's possible. And tell me if I'm, you know, you, if, if anybody experienced this before, but it's like the way that regardless of regardless of the wealth or regardless of the success there's still that I want to make my mom I want to make my dad proud of who I am I want them to see me for me and and then when and that the wealth just magnifies or the success of the father or mother that's successful magnifies that even bigger um is that is that resonate at all with you it sure does. Um, you know, um, Jay, use may mean nothing to your audience. Maybe you may have talked about Jay, so it may mean something to your audience. Sure. Uh, Jay's been on the show before, so they may know. And if uh, Jay Hughes is kind of like the, you know, I know he's the the Godfather of all of a lot of this work for many of us. Well, yeah, so, um, you know, Jay talks about all the different kinds of wealth. And for my dad, I didn't get the financial, but I got all the others. And Jay did the, um, um, the intro to the book. And um, Jay, I, I love the intro because he talks about his own experience growing up with a prominent dad. Okay. He's a prominent attorney. Sure. And um, recognizes, and we all look up to Jay, right? And and um, he recognizes that he grew up in the shadow of somebody who was extremely prominent, and the power of doing that in in the introduction of the book. And, and I go, what better introduction for for that. what this book's about? Yeah. And to my point. Jay's grandfather was a prominent attorney. Yeah. He's so, he, so it's kind of passed on. So I guess that's where I was wanted to ask you is from a parenting perspective, you know, this 
to if if I have young children or even grown children, if if I'm you know their their father today, you know the uh, I'm talking with my kids today. What are some of the conversations that I should be having with them to to make sure that they maybe that the tug of war that they might be having in their heads, I can lessen that and let them know that, you know, I, I really just want them to be happy and, and follow their own path. So that's a great one to talk about because I know parents who've said, do whatever you want to do. And they forget the part of acknowledging that in their kids' eyes, they may be seen as a giant. And so even though they say, do whatever you want to do, the person growing up is saying, yeah, sure, but I got to measure up. And, uh, and so I, that part of the conversation is really important. The other one, and it's probably even the bigger one, is allowing room for a rite of passage and, right. and allowing that next generation, maybe even encouraging that next generation to do some exploration. And um, I know people now talk about gap years and all that kind of stuff. They talk about working for a year in somebody else's business. It's th Those are tangible manifestations of something that needs to happen inside. And it's really that 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 thing that needs to happen inside that is what's going to help transform somebody into believing that they too can um, stand and walk in the land of giants. I love it. Yeah, it's, I'm looking at my my daughter that um, is taking a gap year this year to, um, you know, she's doing, wants to go to medical school and she now has um, three interviews. So she probably has a pretty good shot of making it in and doing what she's doing. But the that process, the, you know, the gap year is a lot for a lot of parents to take on to say, really, shouldn't you just like be doing your applications in your senior year and whatnot? But it's doing those that, that application process is ginormous. But what I'm what I'm watching as the parent is exactly what you just said. She's living on her own. She's not being covered by mom and dad and the family. She's figuring out the expenses on her own. She's working um, and, you know, having some struggle, which I think, you know, a year from now or five years from now or 10 years from now, she'll look back and as that was one of those defining moments for me to say, I can do this, you know? I, I think that's really powerful because medical school, you know, once you step on that that um, conveyor belt to become a doctor, right? And right. It's, a, it's a conveyor belt. It, you know, once you start, it just keeps going and going and going, um, depending on how much you specialize or what you end up doing at the the end. It's it's not a oh boy, I can take three weeks off or a year off in the middle, or, you know? And so having that, that moment um, is pretty powerful. Yeah. Um, what are some of the other things that you, you know, you found, or maybe some of the things that surprised you 
in this discovery process and interviews that you that you did that just really stood out that you, you want to talk about? Yeah, probably the one that popped in my head. Um, we interviewed a woman from Indonesia, Chinese family, and right now is not a great time to build wealth in China. Was her parents was not a good time to build wealth in China. And so they came to Indonesia, they made money, they sent the daughter off to the States. So all, all, the, all, the, all the children and daughters, so there was no son to set that role. And she goes off, she's got two instructions. One, you got to get an advanced degree. And two, you have to come home. Okay. Right? So she comes home. And her dad's business is mushroomed. And so she helps dad build a factory, but they don't get along all the time. And, um, you know, in, in, in her culture, you're supposed to honor your father. Mm. And so one day she decides, I'm going to go get a job. And then before her interview, she sits down with her dad and she's, Dad, you're going to be so proud of me. I'm going to be able to earn my own money and uh, and do all that kind of stuff. And her dad looks at her and said, which this threw us, he said, I don't get it. Where's my face in it? We're going, where's my face in it? What did he mean? Well, he meant, how in this are you honoring me? Because you're supposed to be part of what we're creating as a family. And more and more, what we found is that um, people grow up in a world where they have more multicultural experiences. So the idea of getting a job and making money as being part of how you define your independence was foreign to him. And that is a, a much more common phenomenon than um, a lot of it because we live in a global world right and i think it's important for the people who are raising the next generation to appreciate that we grow up in a global world i love that i love that i i think i can't remember who wrote about it but there was somebody else had written about that and when, it was really interesting because i've led a pretty sheltered life you know and most of my time in upstate New York. And so, you know, um, other cultures and how they do things like, you know, Eastern philosophies are just different than Western philosophies. Yep. And, and so, you know, in dealing with families and how you do things, I think, you know, I don't have any families from other cultures in my, you know, in the work that I do right now. But we do live in a world, you know, upstate New York has many cultures in it. Yep. And if that were ever to, if I was ever to serve another family from another culture, that'd be one of the things that, you know, as the advisor side of it, you'd really need to look into what are the standards of the culture? What, you know, how are things typically done so that at least you go in aware that the way you've done things with other families may not be the way that you need to do them for this family. What a great awareness, because even I grew up in Skokie, Illinois, which, you know, a little suburb outside of Chicago, one point uh, still has a Jewish community, but now there's Indian cultures in there. I mean, there's, it's 
more and more we live in a world that's multicultural. Yeah. And um, marriages produce, you know, bringing people in from other cultures um, and how we deal with all of that, both as advisors and as parents, yeah. is part of this whole quest thing. I love it. Um, so we've we've talked about the journey. We've talked about the um, uh, come on. Oh, I just I messed uh, the, not the roadblocks, but the breaking moments. Right. Um, we've talked about some of the surprises that have happened. Um, for you know, once somebody is through that awareness phase, you know, through those phases, and now they have ownership. What's kind of what are some of the results of, you know, for that rising generation once they have ownership? What were some of the feelings and what were some of the things that, you know, you saw through that? You know, there's really an important insight that comes out of that question, which is a lot of people, um, a lot of business families encourage the generation, the next generation, and it can go the opposite way, but a lot encourage them to come into the family business. Um, or in my case, I struggled with whether I was going to become a rabbi or what I was going to do with my life. Sure. Um, and because um, of the power of... And um, when somebody discovers who they are, and takes agency. Um, everybody that we interviewed wanted to have a stronger connection with their family. They may not want it, it wanted to be part of the family business, right? Yeah. Um, but but they wanted to bring the value back, and they wanted to bring value back to their family. They wanted to have an impact on the world. Um, impact is a big deal. Sure. We could do a whole a whole show on impact and what impact means. Um, even now we talk about impact investing, but impact is more than about investing. Um, and um, and I just think that's such an important part of what we discovered. Yep. I think it's di different for women. There's a whole chapter in the book about women. Um, and it's, go, go it's interesting that you say that because when you know again I, I the only thing i can do is relate my journey and my family to you know what you discovered and as you talked about it i started smiling because i'm like oh i found out what my core purpose is you know my core purpose is to inspire change and it's only been you know, change is hard and difficult and not fun. It's never fun. Um, but it, I mean, it may be fun along the lines, but it's usually comes with some amount of pain because you're going from someplace to someplace. And that change process, like the butterfly that you talked about in the beginning, um, it's difficult. And so, you know, what I, for me, what was really neat was anytime you know, once I learned that, 
I determined that it didn't matter where I landed in terms of the work that I did because I could inspire change as an educator or as a business owner or as a you know family wealth advisor or you know if I was working for someone else I'd still probably be working on my core purpose if I you know once I had the ownership of who I am and where I was going um and it was super helpful and so I you know <laughs> if, you know if if your process you know or as your process and you're having these discussions to help people figure out you know what do they value and what is their purpose um to help them through that journey and have those discussions man what powerful work that is absolutely and I understand that on a very personal level because um you know, when you're younger, you think it's all about picking what you're going to do, what your job is going to be, what you're going to do with your life. Well, it, it is, but it's not really about what you what job you're going to choose. It's about finding the why. Yeah. That you're here about. And there are plenty of people who talk about finding the why now. Yep. Um, but once you figure out the why, also got to figure out the how. But uh, <laughs> you can't just sit around and think about the why. Okay. But, you, but you're right. I mean, I'm at an age that most people retire. What is that? What do you do when you retire? <laughs> and, uh, and so um, didn't learn how to play golf. I have to do something with my life. <laughs> and my part of my journey fits in with who I am. And um, it's about wanting to make a difference. Good. You know, I just was reading an article earlier this morning that was all about um, you know, the seven ways to stave off um, Alzheimer's and dementia. And the, one of the top ones was to always be learning something new. So, you know, retirement, I, I think, is going to become more and more a thing of the past. And we're going to be talking about not retiring from, but retiring to. So, you know, maybe you retired from a practice one time and now you're an author and that's a whole nother chapter in your book of life, you know? Yeah, and I thought, I thought it would be uh, more relaxed. I'm working harder now than I've ever worked before. So I'm going to be speaking in Edinburgh and going to London and doing all this kind of fun stuff. And I'm going... Okay, <laughs> I'm on the ride, you know. <laughs> I, I love it. Um, you know, I didn't ask you, do you have children? I'm a stepdad of three. Got it. And um, one, I think they all like me. It's really a lovely thing. <laughs> well, so I, the reason I ask is, you know, is there a message that you would, you know, in, in this talking about, journey of giants and being in the shadow is there a message that you as a stepfather as you know would share with your kids to you know the message that you'd send to them yeah i also gotta tell you i have nine grandchildren oh my you know, gosh so, <laughs> so it's i'm now part of a multi-generational thing without any genetics involved in it but it's very cute i have a 14 year old granddaughter and over the weekend, um, her and I had back-to-back uh, -back Benny Manny Petties with each other. 
And it was just, it was so delightful just to be there for her and to hear her curiosity about, about me, mm. curiosity about the book. Yep. But also to hear about her, her playing soccer yeah. and her own, and it's, it's, it's allowing that space for those special moments. I love it. You, you use the word curious, which I think is the most powerful word that is overlooked, in my opinion, that I've learned through the last few years. Learn to get curious. Get curious about your spouse and what she's saying or he's saying. Get curious about your grandchildren, about your children, and ask the questions that show that you care, right? And that probably, yeah, I can I can imagine if, you know, we were asking, why does that matter? Why is that important to you? Or what did you learn from that? And, and we got curious about these things. It probably gives that space for the growth and the, that they're going through in the in their journey in your shadow. I mean, think about that. Your grandchildren are going to be sitting there saying, you know, well, my, my, my grandfather wrote a book. <laughs> yeah. how, what, how do I live up to somebody who wrote a book? <laughs> yeah. And so that 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 journey of being curious and and thinking through, you know, good questions and just being there for them, like you said, being with them. Go do a mani petty with your grandma. <laughs> allow 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 for that to happen. I love that. Um, I Jamie, I I just want to say thank you. Um, this has been awesome. Your the the quest for legitimacy is available on Amazon and all of the other spaces out there. Um, you know that you can purchase a book. Um, and then you know I know that you and Russ are also doing some talks. So like if you're listening to this and you want you know wanted to have a more in depth conversation or to have Russ and Jamie or either one or the other to lead a discussion for your family or for your business and whatever the, the case may be of what some of the family business centers might be interested. Um, you, you go out to their website. And I think it's um, thequestorlegitimacy.com is the website to be able to find Jamie and Russ in these conversations. Thank you so much for your time. God, this has been a treat. I got to learn about you other than, and not just talk about me, which is always a beautiful thing. So thank you for the opportunity. The, the one thing I, my, my wife wants to, you know, sometimes she'd like to take the, uh, the proverbial hook and get me off stage. <laughs> I, I wear my heart on my sleeve and I'm vulnerable and I've made lots of mistakes and I've done some good things. And so the only thing I have is the experience that I went through with my family. And it's probably one of the things that drives me most is that I made mistakes as a parent. I made mistakes as a son, you know, I watched mistakes being made in the family, but there's also, if you look at the scale of justice, so to speak, there's way more good that has happened through all those things. But I definitely want to make sure that, you know, all of the bad stuff that as much as I can to the degree that I can, I want to let my kids know that there were some things that, you know, you don't have to do it that way. There's a better way of doing it. And as Jay says, I want to be an elder, not an older. 
<laughs> Love it. <laughs> and, and so, you know, I will always be learning and I will always be curious. Um, and uh, it's not my place to determine their journey, right? And so this conversation for me just has been super awesome because I'm, I can't, I have not read the book yet. I'm going to read the book so that I can take the experiences that you've had from these other families and be able to apply it to my own family and how we do things. And then obviously the families that we serve. So. Absolutely. And you understand both the balance between financial wealth and then it's about a lot more than that. And that's it really, a, it's a beautiful lesson. You know, and, 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 and I know I'm over the time a little bit, but I just want to say, I've asked this question to people all the time. If we really, at the end of the day, you've got three things. You have your physical wealth, your assets, right? You've got your values and how you live your life. And then you've got the knowledge of how you put all of that stuff together. I, I, and I'm sure there's some people would, you know, throw in where's the relationships in there, where's the social and all those things. But if you just looked at it as three assets that we carry inside of ourselves, knowledge, values, and, you know, financial assets, wealth, if you could only pick two to give to your children, which two are you giving them? And I would say, you know, way over 90% say, well, I'm giving them my values and knowledge. But where do we put our financial assets? We always spend our time and our money on the financial assets and how we're going to move those over to the kids. And we really should be taking some time and some money to invest in how are we transitioning the knowledge and the values? And we should be investing in those things since that's what's really important to all of us. Well, we could talk a lot more about that, but you just said a mouthful and... Uh... <laughs> And and uh, thank you for the gift. Yeah, Jamie, you have been, I'm so glad that we did this. I'm so glad to share this with the world. Everybody grab a copy of the Quest for Legitimacy and um, enjoy. Jamie, Jamie Weiner, I really appreciate your time today. Um, my name is Michael Columbus. This has been the Family Biz Show. I'm in Rochester, New York with Family Wealth and Legacy. And we can't wait to have you listen in on the next episode. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Family Biz Show. We hope you've gained valuable insights and practical tips for running a successful family business. Remember, managing a family business can be both rewarding and challenging, but with dedication, communication, and a clear vision, you can create a thriving enterprise that supports your family and community for generations to come. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and share it. We'd love to hear your feedback and suggestions for future episodes. Don't forget to follow Family Wealth and Legacy on LinkedIn and Facebook for more resources and updates on upcoming episodes. And most importantly, keep the conversation going within your own family business. Remember, you're not alone in this journey and we're here to support you every step of the way. Thank you again for tuning in to the Family Biz Show, and we'll see you next time. The content presented is for informational and educational purposes. The information covered and posted are views and opinions of the guests and not necessarily those of Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation. Michael Columbus is a registered representative of Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation. Securities and investment advisory services offered through Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation, a broker dealer, member SIPC, and registered investment advisor.
insurance offered through Lincoln Financial Affiliates and other fine companies. Family Wealth and Legacy LLC is not an affiliate of Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation. Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation and its representatives do not provide legal or tax advice. You may want to consult a legal or tax advisor regarding any legal or tax information as it relates to your personal circumstances.